You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, Merry Christmas. Could count on one. All right. Now, uh, so, so thankful for what God's doing at Westwind Church. And so, what a treat to be here uh, for Christmas 2020. It's our first worship service at the Westbrook property, and we are super thankful to the Lord and to you, Westwind Church. And so, what greater gift could we think to have uh, a permanent home for ministry, to be a light for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We did a mini-series in the Gospel of Isaiah, and I want to invite you to turn to our passage. It's Isaiah chapter 9. We're really going to focus this evening just on one verse, and it highlights just Jesus. We've said already that Isaiah 9 was written about 700 years before the Messiah was born. This is prophetic literature. It's really interesting that about one-fourth of the Bible forecasts the future. That's how revealing God is for tomorrow. And so Isaiah prophesies at a very difficult and dark time, but he's a messenger of hope. He said a light is going to be shining in darkness. Hope's going to be brought to the midst of despair. And what's beautiful about this passage tonight is we come to a passage that highlights Jesus so intimately. I titled the message, The Greatest God, and I trust by the end of 25 minutes together looking at these four beautiful titles, we are going to see how great Jesus is. Now, one of the most remarkable things about God is that he is a revealer. He reveals himself through creation, right? Heavens declare the glory of God. All you have to do is see a a sunrise, you know, the moon full, a sunset, and it testifies of his majesty, his glory, his power. He's a God who communicates. He speaks to the prophets. He speaks to the apostles. Ultimately, he spoke through his son, Jesus Christ. But we're going to see tonight how God revealed himself in a very uh, precious way regarding his son. Uh, When you look at Genesis through Revelation, there's at least 200 titles or names that are given to Jesus. Why does God do that? I think it's very clear. Paul had a prayer in the book of Colossians for the church, and Paul prayed that we would be filled with the knowledge of God. Think about that. When we have a knowledge of God, we're able to think right about God, and as a man, woman thinks, so that person will live. We want to think right about God. And so tonight we're going to look at four titles, four names given to Christ the Messiah 700 years before he was born. I hope you have your Bibles, your devices, follow along, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child will be born for us, that's the incarnation, Micah 5, 2, being born in Bethlehem of Judea, Isaiah 7, 14, being born of a virgin. A child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. We have the incarnation, the birth, and the crucifixion in those few phrases. And we looked at the greatest gift last week. And the government will be on his shoulders. He's a ruler, he's a king, he's a sovereign Lord. 
And then our focus tonight. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And notice the, the picture of the future. The dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over David's kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And we've already said this. This is God's sovereign plan from eternity past. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And so tonight we're going to look at four specific names out of well over 200 for the person of Christ, the work of Christ, his identity, his character, his attributes. Here's what Psalm 9 verse 10 says about the name of the Lord. It's really powerful. Those who know your name, notice this, trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Yahweh. Now think about it. The psalmist is saying, those who seek Yahweh, the Lord is present with them. They get to know him, and as a result of knowing Yahweh, knowing God, knowing Jesus, we'll put our trust in him. We'll follow him. There will be an alignment and an allegiance to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so, I always like to start with the blessing, and the blessing is this tonight, because of the revelation of Christ in Scripture. And we've looked at some revelations in the past. We talked about the Christophanies of Christ, where he showed up physically in the Old Testament. We looked at the types of Christ in the Old Testament, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We looked at the prophecies of Christ. Some would suggest 300 specific prophecies fulfilled in Christ. And tonight we're going to look at the revelation of Christ in Scripture And as a result, each one of us should live daily trusting Jesus the Messiah. And so four revelations today, and hopefully it will lead to a life of trust, loyalty, allegiance, and what I would call lordship. So let's take a look. Revelation number one, trust Jesus. Why? Because of his divine counsel. Look again at Isaiah 9, 6. Jesus will be named Wonderful Counselor. Now, one of the things I really value about this first revelation of Christ is that we all need counsel. Would you agree? I don't think there is a day, definitely a week, that doesn't go by where I don't pursue counsel from people, from leaders, from friends, but ultimately from God. Now, all we have to do is look back in life, and I think we all realize that some counsel came to us that was very good, And at other times, we receive some bad counsel. And so I was writing this talk this week, and God jockeyed my memory about some bad counsel I got uh, some time ago. So picture this. I got poison ivy, and it spread pretty bad my legs. And uh, an individual in my former church suggested an old-school remedy. Take bleach, put it on cloth, and all you have to do is tap the poison ivy, and it will eradicate it. Wow, I trust you. That's good counsel. I did that. Guess what happened? Serious burns. Wound up at the doctor's office. He's like, what happened, mister? I'm like, you don't want to know. It's bleach, and it went deep into the skin. He shot me up with some cortisone, eradicated the, the ivy, and I don't recommend using bleach again. Okay? 
That was bad counsel. But here's the reality, folks. Notice the modifier for Jesus the counselor. What kind of counselor is he? He's a wonderful counselor. And what that means tonight is we can absolutely put our trust in him. His counsel is true. It's honest. It's accurate. He's for us. He's not against us. All you have to do is open up the four Gospels. You know what you're going to see? Christ uses this phrase a minimum of 77 times. Truly, truly, I say unto you. Can you think of a time where he said that line to an individual? 77 times at a minimum. He's with a gentleman named Nicodemus, a religious leader in his day. And Nicodemus is wondering about spiritual things if he got it right. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you're born again, born from above, born of the water and spirit of God, you're not going to go to heaven. And boy, that was complexing for Nicodemus. And then Christ, of course, clarified it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he raises people from the dead, Lazarus, and then he says, truly, truly, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you live. Do you believe this? He's a truth teller. To a thief on the cross, a capital criminal, he says to him after he repents of his sin, truly, truly, I say to you, today, today you're going to be with me. Where? In paradise. Christ is a truth teller. And so when you think about Jesus and you think about wonderful counselor, you think about the truth teller. You think about someone who's always going to steer you in the right direction, who's going to help you create a worldview where you think right and then live right. As the elders met this morning, we just had fellowship and prayer. It was just a really enjoyable time, very simple meeting. And I asked the guys, I said, of these four titles, which one really stands out to you? And we just went around and shared and we do that sometimes just to relax at fellowship. And it was interesting, a few landed on Wonderful Counselor. And that certainly is true for me. Why? I grew up in an environment where I had a very warped worldview. It came directly from the streets. It came from a home where there wasn't strong parental oversight. And so I didn't have a lot of truth. I certainly didn't have a Christian worldview. But here's the beautiful thing, folks. At age 19, came to genuine faith in Christ, opened the Bible for the first time. I'll never, ever forget reading the Gospel of John. That was the first book I started with. And I'm hearing these things like, truly, truly. Wow. And the light bulb went on. I could know truth. And Jesus said, John 8, you'll know the truth. And the truth will do what? Set you free. That's wonderful counsel. And so as a young adult, age 19, coming out of the world, I had questions about how to live pure. And then I go to Psalm 119, verses 9 through 10. How could a young man, a young woman, keep the way pure? By taking heed according to your word. Oh, okay. Follow the word. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4 about sexual purity. Hang your head on that, Keith. And then when it came time to deal with some issues of life, one was forgiveness. Growing up in a home where dad abandoned us when I was an infant. And there was a lot of hurt and anger because of that. 
And then I learn from Scripture, forgive, Keith, as the Lord has forgiven you. Really. Forgive your father who abandoned you? Yes. Why? Forgive as God has forgiven you. How has God forgiven you? Past, present, and future sins. All your sins are nailed to the tree. Colossians 2. And I'll never, ever forget the day where I cried out to the Lord with tears. I forgive my dad because you forgive me, Jesus. That's wonderful counsel. And so as you look forward to 2021, you look forward to renewing your mind, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You look forward to the idea of living in a manner worthy of the gospel, bearing much fruit for his kingdom and glory. Where does it start? It starts with abiding daily in his word. It starts with letting the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Are you in the word? Is the word of Christ richly dwelling in you? And when there's temptation, when there's the world, the flesh, and the devil knocking on your door, is this wonderful counselor, a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. That's the beautiful thing here. And so Revelation number one is a truth teller, and we can trust him for his wonderful counsel. Secondly, trust Jesus because of his divine empowerment. Look again at Isaiah 9, 6. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Notice the next phrase. And folks, this is remarkable. Mighty God. No other leader in Israel's history ever got such a title. This is over the top. 700 years before Christ comes, he is called the Mighty God who did what? Who was born a baby. Philippians 2, he left the glories of heaven became man, humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the mighty God entering our space. We beheld his glory. Glory is the only one from the Father, full of grace and truth. People saw him. They saw his power, his influence. But you know what? The word I used here is very important. He empowers us to live victorious. Let me demonstrate that to you. The Apostle Peter understood this because Peter understood failure. I can identify with Peter a lot. I've been a Christian 41 years. I know enough about failure. But after Peter fails, Jesus shows up. I love you. I love you. Feed my sheep. Shepherd my flock. Get back into the game. And then Peter writes his second epistle, and he says this about divine empowerment, about the mighty God, Jesus Christ, in his life. 2 Peter 1.3, his, Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, going back to a knowledge of God, who called us by his own glory and goodness. And folks, the encouragement is, through Christ, in Christ, you and I are empowered for victorious Christian living. In other words, John 15, we can bear much fruit for his kingdom and glory. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. 1 John says we can be super nikao, super victorious through Christ who strengthens us. It's his work in and through us. How many of you want to live a life of victory? Heading into 2021, I shared two or three weeks ago at a staff meeting, it was pretty spontaneous, kind of impromptu, 
been working on some things in my own spiritual journey and feeling a little bit defeated and sometimes beat up with guilt and, and just struggling after four decades, still struggling, yeah. And then, boom, Christ shows up. There's divine empowerment and experiencing victory. I didn't get specific about that because that's not the issue. What the issue is, is even after 40 years being in Christ, we're still celebrating victory. And so, folks, where do you stand today? Do you feel defeated? Do you sometimes live in guilt? Gosh, again, fell short of God's glory again, and Satan just beats up on you. I want to encourage you today, because of his divine power, we can, yes, lead a godly life. 1 John 4.4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Never, ever forget that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so when you feel knocked down, get back up like Peter did. Get back into the game. Peter knew what it meant to fail, and yet Christ's divine power meant Peter, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, get back into the game. What happens? Acts chapter 1 through 12, Peter's the lead apostle for the first decade in the New Testament church. He experienced God's divine power. I love what Paul said. He says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And so ask a very personal question. Where do you need victory tonight? Where do you feel defeated like Peter? And sometimes, boy, the guilt, we get guilt-ridden. We don't want to show up. We don't want to get back in the game. That's not the way to approach it. We confess our sins. Lord, I need you. I need your strength. I need your empowerment. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. Get back in the game. Take care of my lambs. Revelation number three. Trust Jesus because of his divine compassion. We saw some of this last Sunday, and we're going to pick this theme up again. Look at verse 6, chapter 9. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. And so let's create clarity tonight. Number one, the Bible isn't confusing Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, with God the Father, okay? He is not equal with God the Father in the sense of uh, role, God the Father is God the Father. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. So why is he called Everlasting Father here? Well, as I studied and kind of did some research, I came up with a beautiful conclusion. Everlasting Father is a descriptive analogy pointing to the Messiah's character. In other words, he is fatherly. He is father-like in his treatment of us. You may recall one of Jesus' disciples said, Jesus, show us the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen what the Father is like. You've seen the fatherly attributes. And we constantly sympathize with folks who didn't grow up in an environment where there was a healthy parental space. Some grew up where the father figure is not like our heavenly father. It's way less than ideal. The nurture, the care, the love, support was not there. But 
we have to kind of put that aside and look at who Jesus is. He is the eternal, meaning all-wise, nurturing-like Father in our life. And so let me paint a picture for that. You know, seven out of ten families today are what's called non-nuclear families. Do you realize that? Where we're not growing up in the typical family of mom, dad, kids. There's a lot of single parenting going on. And God sympathizes with that. And so, if you're at home watching, you're here tonight and you're a single parent, and sometimes there's the father who's just not there, not in the game. And what do you do? There's a brokenness, there's a hurt. Here's what you do. You look to Jesus, who is father-like, who will nurture and care for you as a father does in the most perfect way. My wife has shared her story a few times at West Wind. She does that at the Journey Experience. But Ellen's dad died when she was eight years old. But even prior to that, he was a workaholic. He drank too much, and he wasn't there. He wasn't present. And so, in a sense, my dear wife never really knew her father, lost him when she was eight. She comes to genuine faith in Christ as a teenager, and her testimony is so beautiful because what happened to Ellen can happen to all of us. Jesus can become that nurturing, that father-like figure in your life who cares, who says, I am with you, I am for you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That's the kind of God we worship. That's the picture of Christ a picture of compassion. Now finally, Revelation number four, trust Jesus because of his divine peacemaking. This passage closes beautifully. Look at verse six. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The Hebrew phrase there is Sar Shalom, and it literally could be translated ruler, commander, chief, leader, or Prince of Peace. In other words, in the passage, verse uh, 7, we're going to see Jesus reigning forever on the throne of, of David. And he is the one who brings ultimate peace, final peace, future peace. But also, folks, please don't miss this, peace today. And so two dimension of peace that's so evident in Scripture. Number one, peace with God. When you open the Gospel of Luke, and we tried to pair this uh, study in Isaiah 9 with Luke, you read in Luke 1, 78 through 79, Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah would guide our feet into the way of peace. What a beautiful statement. Guide our feet into the way of peace. After the birth of the Messiah, the shepherds show up, and there's this, this uh, heavenly host singing, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. He brings peace with God. But the ultimate picture of God's peace, the reconciliation peace, comes from Romans 5.1. Let me show that to you. Paul writes, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that's the gospel. Christ did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. His righteous work, his perfect sinless sacrifice, he dies so we don't have to. 
And when we put our faith and trust him, in him, God declares us righteous in his son. We get to be clothed in his righteousness. And what a beautiful picture that is. But not only do we have peace with God, we have the peace of God. I think we would all agree that uh, 2020 has been a grueling year. Would you agree with that? I'll never forget speaking a Sunday morning, and I said, boy, what a mild winter. I'm loving living here in Iowa. This is so much better than Minnesota. Next week, COVID hit. And it still hits us, doesn't it? And then we walked into the injustice and the hurt that ensued throughout the cities and the violence and uh, George Floyd's painful, painful scenario. And then our governments divided, political leaders and political parties, and the list goes on and on. And we feel it deeply. There's a certain unrest. But here's the gospel, folks. Not only do we have the privilege to have peace with God, we have the privilege to have the peace of God residing in our hearts. In John 14, 27, Jesus is ready to leave. He's going to ascend to be with his father after his death, burial, and resurrection. He's forecasting that. The disciples are in turmoil. And here's what he said, the beautiful words. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Isn't that a good word for today? Your heart must not be troubled or fearful, regardless of what you're experiencing. COVID continues. Issues of tension in our culture and government and politics and racial divides and whatever the issue is, his peace can be upon us. Charles Stanley is an author I really appreciate, a pastor. He said this, this kind of peace is an undergirding, rock-solid foundation that no matter the tears we cry, the sorrows we feel, deep down inside, we know with an abiding assurance that God is with us. He's present in the midst of the storm. Therefore, Isaiah says this, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Think about that. You want perfect peace, what do you do? Stay connected. God will keep you in perfect peace when you're connected to him regardless of the storms. I want to close with the story and then just a few questions. Ellen and I had the privilege to visit one of our congregants yesterday, and it was such a joy. Uh, let me show you that picture. This is April. Do you remember April? Just a sweet, sweet gal. And so our life group adopted her for Christmas. And April's journey has been very difficult. We got to know April about a year and a half ago through the Alpha Course, and she made a commitment to Christ, got baptized, and we've stayed connected with April. At that time, she was at the House of Mercy in a care center. About six months ago, she got released. She got her own apartment. She's doing well. And again, we stay in touch. She worships with us online. Hi, April. Hope you're doing well. And so we went down and we got a little bit more connected to hear some more of the story. And here's the beautiful thing, guys. This Christmas, for the first time in six years, April's going to celebrate Christmas with some beautiful gifts with her three children. The first time. She's holding down a job 
And she told us that her employer said that they want to buy her a home that she can rent so she can get out of a very difficult neighborhood that's drug infested. An employer wants to buy a home that she can rent? And we smiled and we said, April, the Lord's favor's on you. Why is that happening, folks? I have a hunch. April's embraced Jesus as the wonderful counselor, the truth teller, and her life is being transformed. April has looked to Jesus for power beyond herself, the mighty God. April has said yes to the everlasting, nurturing, fatherly presence of Christ. And now she's living not only with peace with God, but the peace of God. One story, one life, one sheep, one lamb, but that is what the Messiah brings. And so I want to close with a few very personalized questions. And let's start out with Wonderful Counselor. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is a truth teller? 77 plus times. I tell you the truth. And folks, when we lean into that truth, when we accept it as, as real, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. Do we believe that? That he's the only way to God? How about mighty God? that Jesus did something for you and for me that we couldn't do for ourselves. God becomes man, humbles himself in a baby, serves us, and yet ultimately what does he do? He dies a horrific death, a shameful death, crucifixion. Why? To pay the penalty for your sin and mine. God died for us. That's the gospel. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is a nurturing, fatherly presence in your life that he cares for you? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Regardless of the situation you're going through, count me in. I'm your fatherly presence. And do you believe that ultimately it's only through Jesus that we can be reconciled with the Father, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we can have peace in the midst of the storm? Friends, this is the gospel. 700 years before Jesus Christ came. Do you believe this? Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Is he your Messiah this Christmas 2020? I want to ask you just in the sacred moment to bow your heads to close your eyes. And you know, many years ago, I was given the opportunity not only to hear the truth of the good news, the gospel, but to receive it, to say yes, to call upon the name of the Lord, to trust Christ. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're young and this is the first time you've heard this and boy, you've never said yes to Christ. You've never called out and said, God, I need you. I'm a sinner and I want to put my faith and trust in Christ. You can do that tonight. Maybe as an adult, you've gone to church and it's been cultural Christianity. You know about God, but you don't know him personally. And tonight could be that night. I want to invite you and give you an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord and yes, be saved. If that's your desire, I invite you to pray with me now. Father in heaven, I thank you for sending Jesus, the wonderful counselor. And I believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and I want to come to you through him. I believe that Jesus did something for me that I couldn't do for myself, paid the penalty for my sin. And so, Father, I confess I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin and I put my faith in Christ. Father, I believe that Jesus loves me, he cares for me, and he'll nurture me. So I receive that blessing. And so, Father, tonight I pray that I could have peace with you through Jesus Christ and peace in him for the rest of my life. I pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear friends at home and here, if you pray that prayer, God knows your heart. It's prayer of faith. That's all it is. But we want to encourage you. We want to help you in this faith journey. If you've made that decision, please tell us. Uh, help us to help you walk the journey of faith. May God bless you. Merry Christmas to you and your family at home and to you here at Westwind Church.